0: Praise the Lord, everybody. How's everybody doing? Good. All right, about four of y'all doing good. All right, y'all. So I just wanted to give you guys a backdrop. Any of that sound familiar? Yeah. All right. So we've been walking through the whole entire book of 1 Samuel. Today we're on 1 Samuel, the 10th chapter. Uh, y'all can go with me there. Uh-oh, Jody's here, so we're going <laughs>
1: to
0: wait for Jody to get there. 1 Samuel, the 10th chapter. When you get there, say amen. You guys there? All right. Y'all like, yeah, it's on the screen. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Here we go. Samuel took the flask of oil, poured it on Saul's head, kissed him and said, hasn't the Lord anointed you ruler over his inheritance? Today, when you leave me, you'll find two men at Rachel's grave in Zelza in the land of Benjamin. They will say to you, the donkeys you went looking for have been found. And now your father has stopped being concerned about the donkeys and is worried about you asking, what should I do about my son? You will proceed from there until you come to the oak of Tabor. Three men going up to God at Bethel will meet you there. One bringing three goats, one bringing three loaves of bread, one bringing a skin of wine. They will ask you how you are and give you two loaves of bread, which you will accept from them. After that, you will come to the hill of God where there are Philistine garrisons. When you arrive at the city, you will meet a group of prophets coming down from the high place prophesying. They will be preceded by harps, tambourines, flutes and lyres. The spirit of the Lord will control you. You will prophesy with them and you will be transformed into a different person. When these signs have happened to you, do whatever your circumstances require, because God is with you afterward, go ahead of me to gig I will come to you to offer burnt offerings and to sacrifice fellowship offerings. Wait seven days until I come to you and show you what to do. When Saul turned around to leave Samuel, God changed his heart and all the signs came about that day. When Saul and his attendant arrived at Gibeah, a group of prophets met him. The Spirit of God took control of him and he prophesied along with them. Everyone who knew him previously saw him prophesy with the prophets and asked each other, What has happened to the son of Kish? Is Saul among the prophets? When, then a man who was there from there asked, And who is their father? As a result, is Saul also among the prophets became a popular saying. Then Saul finished prophesying and went to the high place. Saul's uncle asked him and his attendant, where did you go? To look for the donkeys, Saul answered. When we saw they were, weren't there, we went to Samuel. Tell me, Saul's uncle asked, what did Samuel say to you? Saul told him, he assured us the donkeys had been found. However, Saul did not tell him what, Saul, what Samuel had said about the matter of the kingship. Samuel summoned the people uh, to the Lord at Mizpah. And said to the Israelites, this is what the Lord of God of Israel says. I brought you out of Israel, out of, I brought Israel out of Egypt and I rescued you from the power of the Egyptians and all the kingdoms that were oppressing you. But today you have rejected your God who saves you from all your troubles and afflictions. You said to him, you must set a king over us. Now, therefore, present yourselves before the Lord by your tribes and clans. Samuel had all the tribes of Israel come forward and the tribe of Benjamin was selected Then he had the tribe of Benjamin come forward by its clans and the Matrite clan was selected. Finally, the son of Kish was selected. But when they searched for him, they could not find him. Again, they inquired of the Lord. Has the man come here yet? The Lord replied, there he is hidden among the supplies. They ran and got him from there. When he stood among the people, he stood head taller than anyone else. Samuel said to the people, do you see the one the Lord has chosen? There is one. There is no one like him among the entire population. And all the people shouted, long live the king. Samuel proclaimed to the people the rights of the kingship. He wrote them on a scroll, which he placed in the presence of the Lord. Then Samuel sent all the people away, each to his home. Saul also went to his home in Gibeah and brave men whose hearts God had touched went with him. But some wicked men said, how can this guy save us? They despised him and did not bring him a gift. But Saul said nothing. Nothing. The title of this message is The Gift and the Curse. The Gift and the Curse. I want to talk to you guys for just a couple minutes uh, before we even get to the text. We're going to go back to the top of chapter 10. Uh, But one thing I want to uh, bring to your attention is that sometimes we go through some processes in life where it seems like we're just running around in full circle. Am I the only one that's been there? Where there were certain seasons of your life where it looked like every Thanksgiving, it was the same thing and every year around new years he was just going through the same thing and uh, you know, it just seemed like there was this consistent cycle that just kept going on in your life, and you're like, God, what is going on? Why does it feel like I'm not growing? Why does it feel like I'm not progressing? Why does it not feel like that I'm accomplishing more? I feel like that I should be here now. I'm 25, I'm 35, I'm 40, I'm 45, and it seems like, things, somebody said, go up higher, I'm 65, and it seems like there are just some things that are not transforming in my life, and I feel like that I should have been here at this point of my life, but I'm still back here. God, what in the world is going on? Am I the only one that feels like that? I remember when I dropped out of college and it seemed like all my friends were graduating, getting good jobs, and I was just in a circle. I was in a whirlwind, and I was trying to figure out, God, what in the world is going on? Why does it feel like everybody is just leaving me behind? But what if I was to tell you that sometimes that is part of God's process for you, that sometimes God puts you in a full circle for two reasons. One reason is to teach you a lesson because maybe sometimes God is testing you and you just keep on failing the test. Amen. So in order for you to move forward on to the next grade, you have to prove to him that you can pass the test at the level that you are.
1: That's right.
0: Uh Come on, let's take accountability now. Uh One reason why I'm running in circles, one reason is because I just keep failing the test. So what God has to do is he has to get you to the point to where you understand the value of saving money. You have to understand the value of living by yourself for a while. You got to understand the value of studying the word of God and looking for direction. So what what does God do? God slows your process down to you. Get the lesson. The other reason why, why this seems to happen is sometimes God is slowing you down to match you up with your destiny. So we go back to the ninth chapter, and we go back to the ninth chapter. God gives Samuel a word that he is going to give them a king since they desired it. Amen. The problem is, is that Samuel has to get to the location. So what does God do? God allows a donkey to get loose, God allows Samuel to run to five different cities, walking around looking for a donkey, and we're going to find out in the next couple chapters that the donkey didn't even go that far. (laughs) But the purpose of the donkey getting lost was so that Saul could find and align himself with his destiny in God. Sometimes God takes you through long places and long journeys and long walks just to get you to your destiny. So by the time Samuel got to the land of Zumpf, He finally aligned himself with Samuel. But the purpose of walking and getting lost through five other cities before he connected with Samuel was that God had to give Samuel enough time to get there. Now, what would have happened if Saul would have got there too early, he would have moved before his blessing. And if Saul would have moved too late, he would have been behind his blessing. So God moves in certain strategies and makes us take twists and turns in our life to align us to get at the right place at the right time for our destiny. Amen. But you know what happens, y'all? I feel like talking today. You know what happens, y'all? You know what happens? What happens is we become frustrated with the process. And we feel like, God, you are taking too long to get me there. So you know what? I give up. And we quit too soon. Amen. You are on the brink of something great, but because it has not happened according to your time, you turn around and you go the wrong direction. When God says, if you would have knocked one more time, I would have answered.
1: I know, that's right.
0: So we see here that luckily, 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 Saul was traveling with someone who had the right intentions for him. Mm-hmm. And it teaches us a valuable lesson in chapter nine that we should connect with people that have good intentions towards us. So when we look at the ninth chapter, the Bible says that Saul is getting ready to turn his back and go home. But his servant says, no, 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 no. We've come too far. Turn back around. Not only turn back around, but I know a man that can give you direction on how to get there, which tells us that not only does he have a faithful friend, but he also has a friend that's connected to God. Uh Y'all with me today? It's not only important to have good friends, but it's important to have some friends that are connected to God. Somebody I can get on the phone with and they can open the Bible and show me a solution for my problem. Somebody that when I'm going through, I can text them and they'll text me back, I'm praying for you. Somebody that when I'm sick in my body, I know that if nobody's praying for me, this friend is praying for me. We need those type of connections in our life. And my question is, are you that type of friend
1: Thank you. Amen. Amen. Mm. God.
0: Amen. Mm. Amen. can I trust you to hold me up when I want to turn around Amen. Huh. I got you. can I trust you to say uh-uh, uh, 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 God has brought you too far yes. God has been too good
1: Amen. I know
0: that's right. turn back around and keep focused on what God promised you. And the question that I have for you also is do you have a friend like that in your life?
1: Yes, amen. Amen.
0: Or do you got a bunch of friends saying, yeah, it has been five years, you ain't getting no man. (laughs) 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 Maybe you should focus on seeing single for the rest of your life, girl. (laughs) What type of connection do we have in our lives that keep us focused on our course. Yes, yes. I'm so glad, and I ain't trying to butter her up, <laughs> but I'm so glad I'm married to somebody that keeps me focused. Oh, because there's so many times that I wanna quit but she reminds me of my destiny. All right. She reminds me of what God has promised me. There were so many times, a couple years ago, I was ready to quit, quit. And she would just go back and remind me of certain words that were spoken through the word and through people that God had promised that he was going to do. And it would put me back on course. But if I wasn't connected to the right person.
1: That's it. That's yes. it. I need a pastor.
0: I would have gave up and they would have been fine with it. You shouldn't be okay with your friends giving up.
1: That's it, that's it, amen. Amen, that's the truth.
0: You shouldn't be okay with somebody connected to you that quits. That's right, Watch this, because you're only as good as the people around you. That's right, amen, right, amen. So if you allow people to quit, You're hanging with quitters, which means that when you get under pressure, you'll quit, too. Y'all quit. So the first thing about this servant was he had good intentions for his friend. The second thing was Saul keeps trying to make excuses. Okay, all right. Praise God. You show me where to go. But guess what? I ain't got no money for the offering. And his friend said, guess what? I got a little something for you. Mm-hmm. Went in his pocket and watch this. This is Saul's servant. Yes. His servant has money for him.
1: Yes.
0: Can I go a step further? Mm-hmm. His servant, watch this, makes the sacrifice for his master mm-hmm. to go to another level when it doesn't benefit him.
1: Amen. Go ahead, go ahead, yes. <sighs> That's good words.
0: How many of us are okay with making a sacrifice for someone else to go to their next level when nothing is in it for you? Amen. We live in this time where we need, we need, we need, we need a pat on the back. We need gratification. We need to be told that we helped. We need a commercial. We need somebody to constantly remind us of how great we are and how they wouldn't be there if we wasn't in their life. But how many times have you made a sacrifice for somebody and you didn't look for anything in return? You were just happy with helping them get to their next level. You, Anybody in here that's a parent should know what I'm talking about. I don't parent my children for them to get rich and take care of me. That's right. I parent my children so I can brag to my friends on how my children can take care of themselves. That's it. Yes, sir. <laughs> All right. <laughs> The purpose is not for me to sacrifice for something to be in it for me. The purpose is for me to recognize that I understand your value. (laughs) I understand that you can go to levels in your field that I'll never go. And because I see where you're going, I'm going to invest in it because I know that you're going to go far. And because I love you, I'm going to take my last. I'm going to dig in my pocket. I'm going to go in my bank account. I'm going to support your business. I'm going to support your church. I'm going to support whatever you're doing because I recognize that there's something good in you and I'm going to give my all to get you to that next level. Who am I talking to in here? Yes. I know yes, that's sir.
1: right. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Amen.
0: I need those kind of friends. Right. Watch this. He gears Saul to Samuel. He gives Saul an offering for Samuel. And Samuel anoints Saul and sends the servant on his way. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I done prayed for you. I done gave you my last. And now all of a sudden God gonna bless you and send me home. See y'all, y'all acting like y'all so saved. Y'all ain't ain't that holy. I'm going home (laughs) with nothing. I gave you my last so that you can be blessed. And I'm going back home as a servant. Oh, I just want that to simmer for a minute. You going back home as a servant. Watch this. And I'm coming back home as a king. All right are you okay with me being your king knowing that you helped me get there? Now, ain't nobody no kings in here. This is, this is scripture. <laughs> ain't nobody, y'all like, I ain't making nobody no kings. <laughs> so now Saul comes to Samuel. And Samuel, God gives Samuel the word that Saul is the chosen one that is supposed to be the king of Israel. Now, watch this. And when he comes to Saul, He has some insecurities. He's from the smallest family of the smallest tribe of all of Israel, but yet God is saying that he's the chosen one. Now, I want you to focus on something real real quick. There's three things that happen here in the first verse. Just in the first five words. Samuel took the flask of oil. Now, watch this. There is no one else here... During this ordination service. Samuel is being anointed king. And there's no one else there but Samuel, Saul and God. Ain't no horns. Ain't no trumpets, no bells, no whistles, no chariots, nothing. All that's there is Saul, Samuel and God. So I don't know about you, but it would sound kind of tricky to me for somebody to take me in the back room, put my hand on the Bible and say, you're now the president of the United States of America. I I would feel a little weird. (laughs) First things first, who are you Uh to give me power over a country? It sounds like a little gig. It sounds like a little, you know, that's a little trick. Uh, So, so, but the purpose of the ordination happening alone, y'all with me? The purpose of why this is happening alone is because when God anoints you, he don't need no witnesses but himself. And when God gets done demonstrating himself through you, they'll know you're anointed. That's right. So I don't need a bunch of folks in the room. My works through you are going to speak for themselves. Watch this here. I don't know when anybody in this room got saved, but you got saved. That's you. And your works be speak for themselves without me ever attending your ceremony where you came to the altar and gave your life to God. That was a personal thing between you and God. Then the Holy Spirit took over you and it did its work. And then I looked and I said, oh, they got the Holy Ghost. Go ahead. go ahead, go ahead. Go ahead. That's right. Amen. So, the first thing here is there's nobody else at the ordination service because God wants to prove a point. Y'all with me? Yes. The other thing is, this is the first time that an ordination happens outside of the tabernacle. I'm going to go, y'all, like, what, what are you talking about? This is the first time a king has ever been anointed in Israel. And the only time anybody has ever been anointed, it was only the priest. And the priests were always anointed in the tabernacle. They would put on their garments. They would take some blood of a goat. They would put the goat blood on the thumb to symbolize that they got a grip of the word. They put a, 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 a drip of the blood on the toe to symbolize that they walk in the ways of God. They anoint their heads with oil to symbolize that they're endued, endowed with the Holy Spirit. All of those things were done inside of the tabernacle. But for the first time, God does a work outside of the church. And the last thing that happens here is Samuel uses oil. I don't know if we're going to get through this whole thing today. I'm still in the first verse. (laughs) The second thing that he does is he uses Oil. During this time, other nations used oil, but they didn't use olive oil. They used oil from animals to symbolize that their king would have the spirit of a beast. Mm. So they would take bull oil because he would be like a raging bull, their king. He would have strength and he would have power. But Israel uses olives. Why olives? Because olives have been crushed. Yes, sir. For purpose. Yes, sir. They're crushed. So that the oil. Can have its purpose. Yes. And the only way that God can have his purpose. In your life. Is when you crush your ego. Yes. Y'all quiet. <laughs> only way God can arise in our lives. Is when we crush. Ourselves obeys ourselves, and we allow him to increase. I don't know if you ever heard a preacher say this before he gets up. He says, God, uh, decrease me so that you can increase in me. What he is saying is crush me so that the anointing can flow.
1: Yes. yes, sir. Yes, sir.
0: So he crushes the oil. So to symbolize that Saul is being crushed of who he is, because we're going to see in the next couple verses that he's going to transform. So what this symbolizes is that Saul is being crushed so that he can operate under the anointing of God. The question that I have for us is do we operate in ourselves or do we operate under the anointing of God? Mm. Because if you operate under the anointing of God, you have had some crushing moments.
1: That's right, sir. Y'all with me? Yes, I am.
0: So Samuel took the flask of oil, poured it out on Saul's head, kissed him, and said, Hasn't the Lord anointed you ruler over all his inheritance? I'm going to paraphrase in the text, and I think Saul said back to Samuel, Has he? (laughs) This sounds kind of fishy. This is the first time a king is being anointed, and you choosing me, the little man, out of the littlest tribe of all of Israel. This makes no sense. Prophet. Now, I understand you're the prophet and I understand that everybody says everything you says come to pass and not one word from God has ever hit the floor concerning you. But I need I need some proof that God is in this. Let me tell you something. Don't test God. So what God does is he understands Saul's insecurities so, what does he do? He gives Saul confirmation that it's him in this situation. So, now we go to the second verse. And he says, Today, when you leave me, you'll find two men at Rachel's grave at Zelzah. Watch this. That's in the land of where? Benjamin. Where is Saul from? Benjamin. Uh huh. And they will say to you, The donkeys you went looking for have been found. Where? Benjamin. But Saul went all the way to Ephraim. Which means that the donkeys never left his hometown. He went walking all over the place when the donkeys was right there. Now, if you go back to the last chapter, it said they ate three days worth of food. That means they were walking for three days to find these donkeys. Meanwhile, the donkey only went up the street. And that's how God works sometimes. Yes, he does. God makes you go so far out because that's the only way he can get your attention.
1: Right.
0: So the donkeys were never lost. Or not, they were lost, but they never were that far. He says, the donkeys you went looking for have been found. Now your father, watch this, has stopped being concerned about the donkeys and now is worried about. Daddy, you love donkeys more than me. <laughs> Y'all with me? Now that the daddy got his donkeys, now he's like, oh, by the way, where's Saul? (laughs) Which tells us there's some relationship issues in the house. Y'all with me? You will proceed from there until you come to the oak of Tabor. Three men going up to God at Bethel will meet you there. One bringing three goats, one bringing three loaves of bread, one bringing a skin of wine. They will ask you how you are and give you two loaves of bread. I struggle with this because I'm like, how come this brother ain't give me a goat? But anyway, they will ask you how you are and give you two loaves of bread, which you will accept from them. Number three, after that, you will come to the hill of God where there are Philistine garrisons. When you arrive at the city, you will meet a group of prophets coming down from the high place prophesying. They will be preceded by harps, tambourines, flutes, and lyres. They've been been praising God all the way back in the Old Testament. We ain't doing nothing new. Next verse. (laughs) The spirit of the Lord will, what? He can't control you unless you've been broken. Mm. (laughs) Mm. He can't control you unless you've been crushed so that the oil can operate. Y'all Quiet. The spirit of the Lord will control you and you will prophesy with them and you will be what transformed into a different person. Ah. He gives him three instructions. Number one, they're going to find your donkeys. Number two, they're going to give you some bread. And number three, you're going to prophesy. Number one, they're going to find your donkeys to show you that I'm a problem solver. Mm-hmm. Number two, they're going to give you bread to show you that I'm a provider. Yeah. And number three, I'm going to fill you with the Holy Spirit to enable you to serve. All right. So I'm going to give you three lessons and three steps to show you that I'm inside of the process. Mm-hmm. Help me, God. Mm-hmm. So what God is going, God does when he anoints you is he gives you instruction. Yeah. I'm gonna say it again. When God anoints you, when you receive the Holy Spirit, you receive instruction. Can I say that again? Y'all like, what are you talking about? The Holy Spirit ain't ignorant.
1: That's it. Amen.
0: Amen. All that throwing chairs and jumping in baptism pools and jumping over podiums and all that stuff you see on YouTube, that ain't the Holy Spirit. I I said it. All that crazy stuff ain't the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit gives instruction. St. John, the 16th chapter says, I will send my comforter, who will lead and guide you. He will. He's not going to just walk beside you, but he's going to give you instruction. The sign of the evidence of the Holy Ghost is he instructs your life. Yeah. And when you are doing all the instruction and all of the directions, and you are doing all of the decisions, the question have, you have to ask is, am I being led by the Spirit or am I being led by myself? The Holy Spirit will make you do stuff that don't make you no sense, but it gets you the way you need to go. All right, yeah. Do I got a witness in here? There's sometimes God will tell you to pray for somebody, and you're like, "Why you got me praying for them?" And next thing you know, you find out they've been sick. You find out that things are going on. The Holy Spirit will make you turn left, and you find out it was a car accident on the other side of the street, and you don't understand. The Holy Spirit always gives instruction. Amen.
1: Amen.
0: Thank you, you do all that. I'm just floating along the way. That ain't the Holy Spirit. That's you. That's you. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> so he gives him instruction with the spirit. And he also shows him that God is with him. That's right. Whew. It's a good thing when God gives you confirmation to let you know you're on the right track. I know that's right. <laughs> it's a wonderful thing when <laughs> God confirms that you've been doing the right thing.
1: Thank you, Lord.
0: Especially when you've been through some hard seasons in your life. And every once in a while, God just gives you a tap on the shoulder and says, I see you. Thank you. I don't know about y'all, but that alone makes me give him praise. Uh, When I'm going through, but I know he still got my back. Yes. I I don't don't understand and I'm struggling in my own flesh, but I understand that he understands and he knows what he's doing. And he just keeps giving me confirmation. I'm walking along with you. That's encouraging. And that's the thing that helps you get through storms in your life. When you know that God has been walking beside you through the whole process. Y'all with me? Yes, I am. So the spirit of the Lord will control you. He will you will prophesy to them and you will be transformed into a different person. When these signs have happened to you, do whatever your circumstances require because God is with you. That is powerful. Next verse, next verse. Afterward, go ahead of me to Gigal. I will come to you to offer burnt offerings and to sacrifice fellowship offerings. Wait seven days. We talked about this on Wednesday. Saul always, Samuel always late. Wait seven days. Watch this. The reason why you got to wait seven days is because God just wants to prove himself. Wait seven days until I come to you and show you what to do. When Saul turned around to leave Samuel, watch this. God changed his Samuel, um, Saul's heart. So my question is, if God changed his heart, what was his heart prior to the changing? Can I go a step further? In the next couple of verses, the Bible is going to say that the spirit of the Lord is going to depart from Saul. Which means that he's going to go back to this heart. Mm-hmm. <sighs> My question today for you is what would happen or what would your heart look like if God took the spirit away from you? You said it. I'm right there with you. I'd be nasty, I'd be mean, I'd be ignorant, I'd be a murderer, a cusser, fusser, all that.
1: God knows no, that's right. <laughs>
0: I'd be all of that if God doesn't keep his spirit on me Amen. to keep my heart towards him.
1: Amen.
0: And that should be our prayer. So David, 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 I gotta get out of here, y'all. David lays with Bathsheba. And he pins the 52nd Psalm and he says, Lord, don't take your
1: yes.
0: renewing me a uh-huh, <laughs> renew in me a clean heart. What? A clean heart because if I go back to my original heart
1: my mind.
0: I'm a mess. So God renewing me yes. and don't take your spirit from me because if you take your spirit from me and you allow me to operate in my heart I'll be a
1: mess. Yes, uh, my God, my God. Yes.
0: This is more than just an external emotional Sunday. Mm. Can I go a step further? Yes. God doesn't fix your heart. God changes as in yes. he shifts your heart. Yeah. Can I go a step further? Yeah. He doesn't clean your heart because your heart's so dirty he can't clean it. He gives you a new heart. Yes. 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 That's what One way of transformation is God has to give you a heart transplant. Yes. Spiritually. Yes. Some of y'all ready to go to Cooper.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Spiritual heart transplant because your heart is no good. Amen. So in order for him to do his will in your life, he has to take out your heart and put in his heart. Yes. My heart ain't generous. Nope. I'm going to talk about myself. My heart's not kind. My heart's not loving. So the fact that y'all see that kind of person in me right now, tells you that this ain't, this ain't my heart. <laughs> I, I, I pray for Jason. <laughs> <laughs> and I say this in all sincerity, I was just like that. That's why I laugh at him, Rachel don't understand him, I'm like that was me. I, I had the craziest rage. I had the worst temper in the world. I ain't going to say who delivered me from it. But a belt delivered me from that. <laughs> a belt delivered. I remember Yas- Yasmin knows. I used to, she used to make me mad. I would go in her room and just throw her dressers over and throw stuff all over. and I would just go into this rage. So when I see Jason walk around, like, I'm like, that's me. Now we got to give him a new heart. <laughs> but... It just shows me of where I would be if God didn't do the transformation in my life. I'd be a whole nother person. Y'all see a jokey, laughing guy, but this is not, Mm -hmm. this ain't me. This is the Holy Spirit that teaches me how to love, forgive, and sometimes forget. So God changed his heart. And when it says change, it doesn't mean he cleans. He actually changed his heart and all the signs that he told him, those three steps that I'm going to be your problem solver, I'm going to be your provider, and I'm going to enable you to serve. All those signs came about that day. When Saul and his attendant arrived at Gibeah, this is his hometown, a group of prophets met him. Watch this. The spirit of God did what? Again. And he prophesied along with them. Everyone who knew him previously and saw him prophesy with the prophets asked each other, what has happened to the son of Kish? Watch this. His ordination was done privately, but the work of God was done publicly. Yes, yes, you can't deny the Holy Spirit.
1: Amen. Right. Amen.
0: So the reason why the ordination was done privately is because God knew that this was going to be done publicly. God was going to use him amongst his people and his people were going to be like, what in the world mm-hmm. took over Saul? Can we talk about Saul before God changed his heart? Saul didn't even know who Samuel was. That's right. Amen. When you go back to the ninth chapter and he lost his goats, the servant had to tell him who Samuel was. Mm-hmm. How don't you know the prophet of the world, of the nation? That's
1: right.
0: How do you live in Israel and you don't know the man that judges all of Israel? Mm-hmm. It tells me then that Saul was not a church-going brother.
1: Right.
0: And Saul did not know God. So you have to realize how powerful this transformation is. Because we just saw Saul a couple days ago, and he was cussing and fussing. Uh-huh. Now all of a sudden he's back in three days, and he prophesying, speaking in tongues, rolling on the floor, shouting and doing all that. What in the world has taken over Saul? Some folks say that about y'all. Uh-huh. Yeah. I like those little laughs. <laughs>, laughs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, 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 you. Yeah. Ain't that, ain't that cussing Tom over there? <laughs> ain't that fighting Sally? <laughs> now you know I'ma mess with you, Johnny. Ain't that Johnny? <laughs> Stop. <laughs> she in church? <laughs> That's the power of God. And that's what I was talking to y'all about a couple weeks ago. If you never get a new arm. Y'all like, a new arm? Yeah, you, you hear all these stories. And I'm not saying God doesn't do it. If, if, you're, if you're half blind and you, got, you never get your sight back, if you never get your hearing back, if you never get you know, some kind of infirmity in your body, you have a heart attack and it never gets completely healed, the fact that you're saved is the greatest miracle that God has ever done. Because your life without him was worse than any physical condition. Amen. You know why? Because this body is going to go anyway one day. Yes,
1: yes,
0: yes. But the question is, is where is your soul going to go?
1: Exactly. Right. Amen. Exactly.
0: So the greatest miracle is your salvation. Amen. So everyone who knew him previously saw him with the prophets and asked each other, what has happened to the son of Kish? Is Saul among the prophets? Then a man who was there asked, who is their father? As a result, it is Saul among the prophets became a popular saying Then Saul finished prophesying and went to the high place. I'm going to move quickly. uh, Next verse. Saul's uncle, his what? Asked him and his attendant, where did you go? To look for the donkey, Saul answered. When we saw that they weren't there, we went to Samuel. This is the uncle. Tell me, Saul's uncle asked, what did Samuel say to you? Which tells us that the uncle knew who Saul Samuel was. Amen. So how your uncle know who Samuel is and you don't know who he is?
1: church. <laughs>
0: Can I go a step further now? In two chapters, and the 12th chapter is going to say in this translation that Saul at this point is 30 years old. But there's other translations that say he was between 45 to 50. Saul is no young man. So this is an older guy going through a transformation and has never known God. His family knows him, but he don't know him. Which means just because your family go to church don't mean you got a relationship with God. That's
1: right.
0: Your family lineage ain't your salvation. That's
1: right. That's
0: right. You just got to save grandmama. Don't mean you save. That's right. So Saul told him he assured us the donkeys had been found. However, Saul did not tell him what Samuel had said about the matter of the kingship. Why? Because Saul was still in the air whether or not this was really true. Sa- Samuel summoned the people to the Lord at Mizpah. Next verse. And said to the Israelites, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. Watch this. And I'm going to close. I can close right here. I bought Israel out of Egypt and rescued you from the power of the Egyptians. This is God stating his resume and all the kingdoms that were oppressing you. Now watch this. Next verse. But today you have rejected your God who. "Who!" (laughs) That word right there made me dance what saved not who saved save, save. you rejected me and I still save you mm-hmm. y'all miss mm-hmm. even when you reject me I still got my hand on you mm-hmm. Even when you say you wanted another king, I still protect you. Even when you told me I ain't good enough, I still keep my hands on your life. Even when you do what you want to do and you turn your back on me, I still save you. Y'all got it. Y'all missing it here. Even when you left the church and said I ain't never going back, God says I'm still gonna save you. Even when you said I'm done and I'm gonna do what I want to do, God says i still going to save you. You have rejected me, but you're still part of my plan. I'm so glad that when I turned my back on God, God didn't turn his back on me, but he still saves me.
1: Yes,
0: uh, thank you, Jesus. Uh, yes, uh, so he says, you rejected me, but I'm still saving you from your troubles and your afflictions. You've done your mess, you've done your dirt, but I'm still saving you. (sighs) Y'all quiet here there's been some things we should have died from. Some places we would have been at that should have got shot up. Some places we were at that got shot up. Some things that we were doing that should have got us in some mess that we should have never got out of. Some activities that should have got us some diseases that we should have died from. But God still saves us because he has purpose for us. This is why we praise God, y'all. This is why we holler and cry during praise and worship. And it looks a a little weird, and it looks a little funny, but when we think about the mess that God has delivered and saved us from, it brings tears to our eyes, it makes us cry, it makes us holler, it makes us lift our hands, and it makes us say if it was not for the Lord who was on my side. I-
1: yes, sir, man. yes, sir.
0: I gotta close. Help me, Jesus. I'm still saving you. Can I talk to somebody? Some of you got some friends and family that said, I ain't going to church, God's still saving them. You got some folks that say, I ain't never walking in no church again, God's still saving them. And you gotta let them know, you may think you're rejecting Him, but He's still saving you. Because if God for a moment took His hand off of you, you'd be in trouble, which means the fact that you're still alive. Is evidence that God's hand is still on you. You said to him you must set a king over us. Now therefore present us yourselves this day before the Lord, your tribes and your clans. Samuel and all the tribe of Israel came down and the tribe of Benjamin was selected. Now watch this, he called all 12 tribes and then he says Benjamin stand up. Which means it disqualifies all the other ten. Can you imagine the hate then, watch this, he had the Benjamin, had the tribe of Benjamin come forward, they okay, come forward by its clans, Wu Tang clan. <laughs> he calls each clan, <laughs> that's where y'all mind is. <laughs> he called each clan up out of the tribes. Y'all remember David with Samuel when he went to anoint the brothers and he put the old flask of oil over their head? He said, no, no, no. The same thing has happened here. He goes over one tribe, no. Next clan, no. Next clan, no. And finally, the Metrite clan was selected, which is the tribe that Saul is from. Finally Saul, son of Kish, was selected. So they go up to Mitrite. all Mitrite stands up, and they go over each one of their heads, no, 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 no. And he looks. At the leader of the clan, it says, is there anybody left? Sounds familiar, don't it? Uh And they say, yeah, there's there's this tall boy by the name of Saul. But Saul ain't there. Where's Saul? But when they searched for him, they could not find him because he's trying to hide from his calling. They inquired of the Lord. You can't run from God. And when they inquired of the Lord, they said, has the man come here yet? The Lord replied, there he is, hidden amongst the supply. He was trying to hide behind the wagons. (laughs) He was was trying to hide behind the donkeys because he was trying to hide from the calling of God. Let me tell you something. The calling of God is not something that you just run to. I started preaching at 19 years old. I lost a lot of my youth. (sighs) A lot. I came back from school and I made the sacrifice. I didn't just preach, I lived, and I ain't saying I was perfect, but I got rid of a lot of mess. I got rid of a lot of friends because it came with the calling. And if I knew what I knew now, I probably would have tried to hide like Saul.
1: So.
0: <laughs> because a calling comes with a lot of sacrifice. Yes, amen. Dude, there is no one. Watch this. They ran and got him from there. When he stood among the people, he said, <laughs> look. So they go behind the wagon and they pull this seven. I don't know how tall he is, but they say he's taller than everybody in But they pull this seven foot, 30 something year old man up. <laughs> grab him by the hand and say, here he go. He's like. <laughs> and they're like, this is your king. <laughs> y'all, y'all with me? Y'all got it? <laughs> he's head and taller than everyone else. Samuel said to all the people, do you see who the Lord has chosen? He's being sarcastic. Look at what God has chosen. This tall, timid, big old man that's scared. Look at what God has chosen. There is no one like him in the entire population. Watch this. And all the people shouting, long live the king. And he don't even want it. Next verse. Samuel proclaimed to the people the rights of kingship. We talked about this two chapters ago. If you want to go look at it, look in chapter 8, the rights of kingship. Their children are going to be sold as servants. Their daughters are going to be maids and perfumers. Basically, the next generation is going to suffer from this decision. But yet they're screaming, long live the king. So what does Samuel do? He proclaims the rights of the kingship. He wrote it on a scroll and placed it in the presence of the Lord just in case one day they contest it. He has to remind them of what you, pri- what you signed up for. Uh, help me, God. I got to close here. When we make bad decisions, sometimes God has to pull the scroll out and remind you what you signed up for. I told you they was lazy (laughs) he didn't have a job when you met him (laughs) she couldn't read when you met her (laughs) now you expect her to pay bills she can't read them (laughs) I tried to tell you (laughs) yo (laughs) Sometimes God has to give you the scroll to remind you your decision. And he ain't going to change it. He's going to let you live with it. So he writes it on a scroll, places it in the presence of the Lord, and then Samuel sent everybody home. Saul went to his home in Gibeah, back home where he prophesied, and brave men whose hearts God had touched, because it took God to follow him, went with him. Now watch this, next verse, I'm done. I'm done right now after this. I'm done. But some wicked men said, how can this guy save us? They despised him and did not bring him a gift. But Saul said nothing. Why did they despise him? They didn't despise him because he wasn't God's chosen. They despised him because they felt like they should have been chosen. Now, he's amongst their people. I don't know about y'all, but one, one of my friends went, we all went.
1: That's right. That's right.
0: Oh, y'all ain't got friends like that? <laughs> y'all like, nah. <laughs> when one of us win, we all win.
1: That's right.
0: This is our tribe.
1: That's right.
0: This is us. We represent. This is me. When somebody makes it, I get on Rachel's nerves. When, when, when my friends on TV for music and stuff, uh, 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 um, I ain't going to say his name. He's on TV all the time. Rachel's going to get mad. Uh, I'm like, that's, that's Willimbrough right there. <laughs> I ain't spoke to him in 20 years, but that's my boy. We was in music class in third grade. I just quit. (laughs) (laughs) He kept going. Now he's the music director for Rihanna and Jay-Z and all those guys. But we won. But when you don't have that right spirit, you have that crab in the barrel mentality, you're like these guys. You don't even realize that he's going to represent you. The name of your tribe and your clan will never be the same. But you so caught up that it's not you. That you rather try to take him out. I'm done. Three points and I'm done. Three points. Number one, the anointing will give you instruction for your purpose. When the Holy Spirit overtakes you, it gives you instruction. Does not leave you out there and forsake you. Number two, your transformation will show among the people around you. You know when a person has been touched by God by their transformation. I'm not talking about dress code. I'm talking about state of mind. I'm talking about attitude. I'm talking about the way they treat people. I'm talking about the way they love people. Transformation happens. When transformation does happen, people see it. And number three, don't reject God for your fleshly desires. Sometimes God keeps throwing signs out there and you just keep signing up. God just keep trying to tell you, don't do it. Don't, don't go to that job. <laughs> I just got to have it. Oh, well. Don't do it. Don't you? Th- I just got to have them. And God says, okay, here you go. <laughs> and now you're stuck.
1: Yep.
0: <laughs> now you're stuck. So don't, don't reject God for fleshly desires. Father, we thank you, Lord. There's a lot of content to cover today, God, but God, we thank you, Lord, we got through it. <laughs> we thank you, Lord, for just the word on today, God. Thank you, Lord, for how some things may look like a gift, but sometimes it can be a curse and a thorn to our flesh. God, allow us, God, to make the right decisions in our life. Allow us, God, to trust you, God, in every step of our life. God, allow us, God, to make the right decisions and the right moves, God. Keep in touch each of every single person in this room, God, name by name, one by one. God, you know every single person's prayer request, you know everyone's need. God, I ask God that you meet every need, every prayer request, open every door in their life. And we thank you and we bless you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening if you would like to partner with us or make a donation please visit our site at www.go the number two our mission statement is to reach evangelize accept and